Welcome back to another episode of the Passionate Stewardship Podcast, a podcast for helping professionals who strongly believe in supporting their community and the humans who live there. I am your host, Dr. Sherry. And I'm your co-host, Brittany, the HR specialist and virtual assistant. Hey, best friend. How you doing today? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I am good. So, y'all know it's Women's History Month, and we are excited around here on the Passionate Stewardship Podcast. But besides being Women's History Month, it's also National Social Work Month. And, you know, I am all about human service professionals, and I am all about social workers. I think we run the world. I think so. Yeah, we run the world, basically. So human service professionals, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? So human service professionals run the world. Social workers run the world. Like, we're awesome, and we're women, so (laughs) even more, we're awesome. So, (laughs) you know, (laughs) so, you know, this month we've been interviewing extraordinary women. Well, I think they're extraordinary women, and after this conversation, I'm pretty sure you're going to think this person's pretty extraordinary also. (laughs) So I met this lovely young lady about a year ago. Uh, We were just chit-chatting, trying to figure out timeline, but it's been about a year and we met in a business coaching program and she is, she's just awesome. She's an amazing person. She's a dope photographer. She is an advocate. She is an ally. She gives gentle, tough love. And I am so excited to have her on the Passionate Stewardship Podcast. So I am excited to introduce to you my friend, Erica Peskin. Welcome to the Passionate Stewardship Podcast, Erica. How are you? I'm so great. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for (laughs) accepting the invite. So Tell me a little bit about yourself (laughs) and your background and how you show up for your community. I'm multi-passionate. I'm a social worker by training. I'm licensed in a couple of states, New York and Idaho. I help other coaches and healers become trauma-informed or deepen their trauma-informed practice. I'm also a coach and I help people with their mindset and I help with understanding money making their desires and dreams happen, and a whole bunch of other coachy awesomeness. And I'm a photographer. I do landscape photography, as well as body positive portraits, usually at night under the Milky Way, clothing on or off. It's entirely your choice because trauma-informed. What else? I'm a writer and traveler. You are a traveler. You have a big trip coming up. I do. Yeah. I'm about to go to Europe for a couple months. My first time doing that. Yeah. Months. I haven't done that since I was 27, which was like over 20 years ago. So when you said (laughs) young lady, I was like, who are you talking about? Okay. Just take it, receive it. Right. Receive it. Totally. And you also asked how I show up for my community. You know, actually, I don't really know what you mean by that. <laughs> so I think you, you explained it. You already okay. explained how you show up for your community. Um, you are a trauma-informed coach. So mm-hmm. that's how you show up for your community. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess the other thing that I would like to say about how I show up is 
I'm pretty fierce for people shining their light and uncovering their strengths and utilizing them to make the world a better place. Yeah, um, I agree with that. Thank you. Yeah, so generally if I feel like you're not doing that, I might be kind of like like yeah, come on. What's going on? What's going on there? Yep. Yeah, <laughs> pull the world me do. Pull them yep. in. Yeah, me do. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That is Erica. Yep. <laughs> I know that one firsthand. Oh. <laughs> and you know, for those of us who are social workers and in the social work world, you know that as the strengths perspective. So, yes. Yeah, absolutely. All about strengths. Yeah. So this word <laughs> trauma informed, mm-hmm. I think sometimes it gets overutilized. Totally. I think, you know, everybody, especially in the nonprofit world, and if you are a service-based nonprofit, everybody talks about being trauma-informed. Oh, we take a trauma-informed approach. Oh, we are trauma-informed. And I'm like, okay, enough with the trauma-informed already, because I've witnessed you and you are not. (laughs) Shut it up. First hand. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. So what trauma-informed and what does it mean to be trauma-informed? So trauma-informed in the like not in the you know buzzwordy way mm-hmm. means that you recognize if, if you are a trauma-informed person not even professional but a trauma-informed person you recognize that there is a whole lot of trauma in the world whether it's like individual trauma affecting people or it's collective or systemic trauma affecting people. And you are not an asshole about it. You know, you have, to be trauma informed means that you have undertaken some level of training so that you understand its impacts. Not that it's, not only that it's a thing, but that you understand its possible impacts on the psyche, on the body, the neurobiology and you do what you can to mitigate it and not cause more harm. So the way I really look at trauma and being trauma informed as a person, as like a human and as a professional is as harm reduction, you know, like I am going to have policies in my work that will reduce the possible harm that I can cause. And I will also, implement that in my practice and in my day-to-day life. Awesome. Awesome. So you are a licensed social worker by degree Mm -hmm. and also a trauma coach that teaches and coaches other helping professionals to be more trauma-informed in their work. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think one of the things that I just learned recently about you, which I guess was a boo-boo assumption on my part, is that your coaching is not specifically for other social workers or other human service professionals, but it's for other professionals that touch humans in other capacities, which Mm -hmm. I think is is awesome because I think everybody should be trauma-informed, particularly in the world that we're living in right now. So when you decided that coaching, more specifically trauma-informed coaching, was your direction, or as we say in the coaching world, your niche? Like, what brought <laughs> you What brought you to that? So I just want to clarify a couple of things. One is that I don't call myself a trauma coach. Okay. Um, 
because I think that that implies that you can heal through coaching trauma. Okay. And that's not, that's not what I do. And so I don't want to call myself that. And so what I do is I train coaches, consultants, and healers, you know, like body workers, movement, people who do movement training, like yoga or Nia or other kinds of dance and let's see, massage therapy, doulas, et cetera. Hmm. I teach them what trauma is, how it can possibly show up in their work with people and how to deal with it if it does. Um, and the reason I started doing that is because two, well, two big reasons. One is that as people, as people who work with our hands, like on our clients' bodies or in their energies or in their money or in their creativity or wherever, like that's a lot of power. You know, Mm -hmm. we have so much power over a lot of very vulnerable things. And if we're not trauma informed, we might not be aware of just how powerful that all is and how much potential there is to really cause some harm, I'm sorry to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so <laughs> the second thing is that there has been a lot of harm caused. I mean, I've definitely had um, interactions and experiences with practitioners that were not great and actually pretty shitty (laughs) for lack of a better term. Uh Um, And I've also had a fair number of clients and friends who have also been like, oh my God, let me tell you what this person did and how they tried to manipulate me into enrolling in their program or, you know, what they did during session, during the session and how like, ooh, icky that felt. And that can really be damaging, you know, like, the level of damage varies, you know, depending on the person's history or whatever, but like, why, why run the risk of possibly causing damage when we're doing this work to help people? Right. Right. Like I didn't, I didn't decide to be a coach or like a photographer, a body positive photographer to like hurt people. Right. (laughs) I know we're talking about trauma-informed coaching, but can we pivot for one second and talk about your body positivity photography? Sure. I just think it is, when I first heard you talk about it last year when we first met, and I was like, she's taking pictures of butt naked people. Did you grasp? Like, did you grasp your pearls? Did you did you clutch yourself? I didn't clutch. She clutched, I didn't, did she clutch? I didn't clutch my pearls. But then I think in the process of, I think you had put your website in the chat and I went to the website and I mean, the pictures are breathtaking. They are beautiful. (laughs) And uh, I mean, they are so beautiful because, you know, coming from DC, I mean, I love DC, but we don't see too many stars in the sky. I'm just saying. Right. So, you know, moving to North Carolina, like I I see some stars in the sky here, but looking at your pictures, your photographs, because they're just so much more than pictures, but looking at these photographs and 
looking at the sky and seeing these beautiful people up under this beauty. It's something very spiritual about it. It's so Mm -hmm. beautiful. What brought you like to do something like that? Oh, wow. Well, (laughs) it was either like a lot of synchronicity and like accident or no, not even synchronicity, serendipity, accidental, or it was all like, you know, meant to be depending on how you look at things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> First of all, thank you so much for, for saying those really beautiful and meaningful words. Like it's so funny when, when people say nice things about like the trauma stuff, I'm like, Oh hell yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then when people say nice things about the photography or my writing, I'm like, Oh, thanks. I'm flustered. Yeah, totally. Um, Yeah, so I guess, you know, one of my growth edges here is owning that it's really awesome. Okay. So basically, I mean, I, I am lucky enough to live in Idaho, which is not something I ever thought I would say. Um, because <laughs> Idaho is very challenging in You just don't ways. seem like the Idaho kind of girl to me. Well, yeah. I mean, I am from New York. <laughs> I'm from New okay. York City. I grew up in New York City. Okay. But, like, we had maybe two stars in the sky, and the sky was always, like, some sort of post-apocalyptic orange, even at night, you know? So, like, the only time I ever really saw stars was in summer camp or, you know, when we would go to the beach on Long mm-hmm. Island, you know? Mm-hmm. So... I'm lucky enough to live in Idaho, which is challenging, very challenging for a progressive social worker to live in Idaho, especially right now, for any zillions of reasons. However, Idaho is a dark sky location. So the stars, even in the city, you can see so many stars, it's hard to believe that you're actually in a city. I mean, Mm. it's a very small city, so (laughs) Um, it's my little snotty (laughs) comment there. Um, So, but like, you know, 40 minutes outside of the capital city, there's incredible dark sky areas where there's nobody because it's, you know, Idaho. And you can take pictures of the Milky Way really easily and get so much detail and so much beauty. And so... I was like, maybe maybe it would be really cool to just like try it naked one day, you know? So I did it myself. Well, no, actually I got a friend to do it at who, like a friend who is up for anything, really. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, friend. (laughs) And it was such an incredibly beautiful photo that I was like, oh, I want to do that. So I started doing it and then she shared it in a group a local body positive group that is um, run by Amy Pence Brown, who is an incredible body positive leader and activist. Absolutely awesome. And so then people in the group were like, oh, I want to do this. I was like, okay, let me charge you 50 bucks and we'll go out and do it. And so I did (laughs) 50 bucks. then it just became a thing. And what I realized that I was doing for for some people, not for everybody, was really incorporating a lot of my coaching and, you know, social work skills, because it's an incredibly vulnerable experience to be naked in public. 
at night, you know, in front of a stranger. Right. Yeah. You know, you might be a little afraid of a rattlesnake too, you know, but like. Oh yeah, that part too. Nature. (laughs) Nature. Nature in the dark. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cool. You can hear like the, the owls swooping. Like it's, it's incredible. (laughs) I wish you all could see their faces right now. (laughs) Okay. Um, but it's 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 totally safe. It's fine. It's like I was down um, until the nature part. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, but really the only place to see the Milky Way is in nature because everywhere that's urban is too bright. Right. 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 Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. So, you know, so really using a lot of my trauma informed skills to help people feel comfortable and help people feel like they can do it because, you know, people might want to do it, but not be ready to do it. So, you know, right. okay, how can I support you in doing this? And an alarming number, trigger warning here for sexual assault. A lot of my photo clients are survivors. And so doing this is them reclaiming and oh, that's very so healing. Mm. Yeah. And so, you know, like, to be able to hold space for that um, and to support people in that. And then to be able to give them this incredible photo of them, like as part of the, part of the cosmos is really just incredible. It's such an honor. That's so awesome. I mean, you got to check her website out. Like the pictures are so beautiful. So, so, so beautiful. You might have to take a trip to Idaho. Huh? Oh well, I do it. I do it anywhere where there's dark sky, my dear. Oh. So, yeah. Okay. So, um, so you just gonna booking... do it in Maryland, <laughs> right? Oh, <yeah. laughs> now booking uh, summer 2023 in uh, northern Minnesota, California, Idaho, and Europe. So you know. And you said in Europe. In mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come to Iceland. Well, you can't do it in Iceland in summer, unfortunately. But okay, <laughs> but we're gonna so, do some other stuff that's body positive photography in Iceland. We're gonna like be at the in front of the waterfall at like three a.m. because it's gonna be golden hour all day long. It's gonna be amazing. Oh wow! All night and, long, that, I mean. and that's cold. No. Oh, okay. Because it's gonna be. It's, she doesn't like. I don't like being mean. cold. She does not like well, the cold. I mean, okay. I mean, it might be cold for you. Okay. Anyway, yeah, so okay. now booking. So feel free to reach out. <laughs> okay. I love it. So what are the benefits of being a trauma-informed professional? Not even maybe focused on the, the, the professional positions that we're talking about, but just being a trauma-informed professional, period. Like, what are the benefits of that? Oh, my gosh. I mean, so many. So first of all, you can do better work with your clients or your customers, you know, like if you, if you have a trauma informed lens and perspective, you, I mean, it deepens your work, it helps you have more confidence, because you know how to handle a lot of different situations. It helps you be more compassionate, also helps you take things way less personally, because you're just like, oh, this person is acting batshit. So, okay, mm-hmm. not about me. That is mm-hmm. something is happening. And I don't mean that in a way that like completely, you know, 
um, takes away our responsibility for being decent people, you know, but like if I'm, you know, asking a question and just being like, hey, can I have, do you want some milk with your coffee and someone reacts like in a completely like inexplicable way? Like, I know that that's not about me. Right. You know? right. And the other thing is that it helps being trauma informed. If you have, if you've attended a training that helps you do this, it helps you redirect and deescalate, which is also quite helpful. And again, you know, like, I don't want to imply that everybody has to be absolutely perfect in every way, you know, and has to know what to do in every situation. Like perfectionism is not trauma informed, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, what it does though, is it gives you so many tools and skills for you to utilize professionally and also in your personal life. Like, I mean, like last Thanksgiving, I was like, okay, so this is happening with fam. And, uh, I know that this is touching on some old trauma. I know exactly what trauma it is, mm-hmm. what relational and developmental trauma it is in both me and this other person. So let me do a five, four, three, two, one. <laughs> and <laughs> right. if you're not familiar with five, four, three, two, one, it's a grounding exercise where you, mm-hmm. you know, get to leave, you know, get out of your head and you identify five things you see, five, four things you hear, three things you're feeling or touching two things you smell and one thing you taste. It's my go to. <laughs> so yeah, those are just a few of the benefits and, and there are even more. Okay. So you have a coaching program. Mm-hmm. What does it look like working with you in your coaching program? So Okay, so I have like a few different ways that I work with people. Do you mean if someone was gonna do learn to be trauma informed or if they were gonna coach with me like one on one about desires and dreams or or what? So if specifically for so let's start with the trauma informed. So what does it look like if someone wanted to come and work with Erica to become more trauma informed? So you could work with me by enrolling in my six-month program, which is for coaches and healers to become trauma-informed. And you would listen to my, you know, words of wisdom and in pre-recorded sessions. (laughs) And then you would join the community every couple of weeks for Q&As and discussions and practica which I'm very proud of. I'm very proud of including practice sessions so we can actually apply the um, concepts and strategies that I teach so that you you don't have to use your clients as guinea pigs and you can actually get confident in the skills that you're developing. That's so it's awesome. basically kind of like grad school, but mm-hmm. cheaper. And what are other ways that individuals could work with you so you have the the coaching program and you say that's six months Mm -hmm. when does the next one start do you have another next one one? yeah the next cohort starts on april 3rd actually which is super exciting so it's in that's soon and another way that someone can work with me is by joining my facebook community for coaches and healers where we discuss things related to you know trauma-informed coaching and healing. We also have a, a book discussion group where we are reading a book a month uh, tr- on trauma, which okay. is super cheerful. 
And another way if someone, you know, wants more personalized attention is that I do trauma, trauma informed audits of people's marketing of hmm. their discovery calls or however you enroll clients and working with you and yeah, just kind of see how trauma informed you are and you know, what might need some improvement. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's all the trauma stuff. <laughs> okay. And what are other ways that someone <laughs> can work with you? So I also do one-on-one -on -one coaching as well as group coaching and people can work with me on identifying di desires and dreams, identifying limiting beliefs and fears. I created a process to overcome limiting beliefs and fears. It's my 12 step process. It's very good. And I also do something called fierce cheerleading, which is where I relentlessly and with perfect accuracy tell you how and why you are awesome until you believe me or start to cry or both. <laughs> okay. And then we, and then we, um, we untangle why or if it's hard to take in and receive how amazing mm. you are. Um, because, you know, at a certain point, people are educated out of bragging, you know, especially women, especially people of color, and especially people who have many different intersections um and also people don't really praise people very much because i don't know why like we're all gonna seem thirsty or something i don't even know <laughs> so it's really a beautiful thing to be able to reflect back how amazing someone is you know and to help them take it in because it builds confidence decreases cortisol all sorts of other great stuff Mm -hmm. So there's that. I mean, and there's like a whole bunch of other ways that I work with people because like I said, I'm multi-passionate. So um, yeah, my website, which I update probably annually, <laughs> um, might have some current information on it. <laughs> okay. And we'll make sure that all of Erica's yeah. information will definitely be in the show notes and on our socials. So if you want to get in touch with her and if you want to work with her, which I highly suggest you do work with her, you'll be able to do so. So trauma work can be pretty daunting um, for professionals and even for coaches who are supporting the professionals. So what do you do Absolutely. to take care of yourself and how is that communicated in your coaching? Well, so during the course, we spend a whole lot of time on the importance of self-care so that we are, well, for two reasons. One, because we need it, you know, and we are just as worthy of care as anyone else. I mean, we're, we're like spouting about, many coaches and healers spout about self-care to their clients all the time, right? So we have to model that. Right. Um, otherwise, we're hypocrites and also not doing well. So, um, and the other reason is so that we have to take care of ourselves so that our stuff isn't spilling over onto our clients, right. which isn't fair. And like, I don't know about you, but I did not, I do not pay my coach or therapist or whomever to like, take care of them. Like Facts. I do enough of that in my yep. own life <laughs> and professionally, yep. like, you know. I mean, I love my therapist and my coach. Like I would happily take care of them, just not in the session that I'm paying for. Right. Um, 
Right. So, you know, it's just making sure that that's clear in the <laughs> about a billion different ways in the course. And then how I take care of myself is I do whatever I can on a daily basis to manage my cortisol levels. And, you know, I just want to say if I can kind of digress a little bit, mm-hmm. there's a lot, there's a lot of words that people are saying about like forget about self-care we need community care you know and like what good is a bath when you're being oppressed and in many ways that is absolutely true like a bath is not going to end systemic oppression right you know and a bath or flowers is not going to take care of you know like horrific things happening systemically collectively or individually, like individual right. trauma, you know? Right. And also, at the same time, what is important is taking care of ourselves so that we are not weathered by the constant um, attacks and stimuli that are really draining and the stresses, basically. I don't know if you're all familiar with the term weathering. Basically, it's a term that's used to describe the incessant effects of racism on people of color and how it affects their physical health. And Mm -hmm. it's called weathering because it's like, you know, like, I'm so sorry to use this analogy, like this sounds really fucked up and I apologize. Um, You know, like if you see a building that has been weathered, you know what that means. You know, it's. It's in need of some care because it, it looks like it hasn't been taken care of. And that's not the case for, for people, right? Like mm-hmm. people try to take care of themselves, but there's the constant barrage of aggressions, micro and macro, that really take a toll. And yep. so, yes, taking a bath again is not going to end that. But what it does do is it does for one minute maybe it decreases how much cortisol you are producing, which gives your, your kidneys a break and your adrenals a break, which as far as I'm concerned is so, so valuable, you know, and what that does then is it restores you and gives you some like refills your vessel so that we can look at, you know, making systemic change. Because you, mm-hmm. there's no making systemic change if everybody is a, a wreck. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so that's well my said. plug. Thank you. So that's my plug for self-care as well as community care, not either or. Right. It's both right. right. So well anyway. said. Thank you for that. You. So what are you reading in your book club now? So we are reading Trauma and Recovery by Judith Herman. It is very meaty. I did not anticipate that when mm. <laughs> I chose it for the first book. <laughs> and next month we're reading something way easier. I don't remember what it is, but, and we all actually are super behind this month. So we might <laughs> have to discuss it another time. But yeah, we're, we're going to be reading Waking the Tiger by Peter Levine. We're also going to be reading My Grandmother's Hands by um, mm. Resma Menachem. Resma Menachem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always yeah. mispronounce. 
and a whole bunch of other really great books about trauma, how it affects people, and so on. So I'm My excited. Grandmother's Hands was a really, really good read um, by Resma uh, Minicum. Um, that was actually one of our preferred, that was on our preferred reading list, I believe, uh, back I in February. Yeah. That was oh, cool. um, on our um, really, really good. Uh, I'm a big fan of his anyway. He's amazing. He is, he is awesome. So have you read Trauma Stewardship? No, I haven't yet. That's uh, next on the list. Well, yep, Trauma Stewardship is a good one. So that is the book of the week for this episode. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Okay, Trauma cool. Stewardship. And it is, so the full name of the book is Trauma Stewardship, an Everyday Guide to Caring for Self While Caring for Others. And it's really, really good. It's a good read. It's funny, but it's it's good. It's a really, really good book. I read it, oh God. I was working at an organization in D.C. called Our Place D.C. And uh, my clinical supervisor, Sharon Cascone, she introduced that book to me. And that was over 10 years ago. And it's still oh, wow. a, a really good book. But, yeah, it's a good one. And so that is the book of the week for this episode. So, well, Erica, thank you so much for this episode and all of your knowledge and all of your extraordinariness. And I know that's not even a word, so don't come for me. I'm, I'm going to be a word. Um, <laughs> I'm going to contact Webster's. It's going to be a word. <laughs> you are awesome. You are doing such great work for the community and for the for your people and for the people who need it. And not just in your trauma-informed work, but in your photography and I just, I adore you. And just after our, our conversation a couple weeks ago, I just adore you even more. And you are someone Aww. that I'm just going to keep in my life. And you're just awesome. And I appreciate you. And you all need to check out Miss Erica because she'll get you right. <laughs> Thank you. It's true. And right back at you in all the ways. Um, thank you for the honor of being here. And for, you know, sharing this time with both of you. It's really, really like such a privilege. Thank you. This <laughs> week's exceptional woman who paved the way and elevated women giving new meaning to the saying, I am woman, is Dr. Dorothy I. Height. Dr. Height received a scholarship to attend college in 1929 and was admitted to Bernard College, but was not allowed to attend because the school did not admit African-Americans. Instead, Height graduated from New York University, receiving a bachelor's in education and a master's in psychology. Her first job was as a social worker in Harlem, New York. She later joined the staff of the Harlem Young Women's Christian Association, YWCA. In no time, Height became a leader in the local organization. She created a diverse program and pushed the organization to integrate YWCA facilities nationwide. During a chance encounter with African-American leader Mary McLeod Bethune, she was inspired to begin working with the National Council of Negro Women. Through the National Council of Negro Women, Height focused on ending the lynching of African-Americans, and restructuring the criminal justice system. In 1957, she became the fourth president of the National Council of Negro Women, 
Under her leadership, the council supported voter registration in the South. The National Council of Negro Women also financially aided several civil rights activists throughout the country. Height was president of the National Council of Negro Women for 40 years. Height's prominence in the civil rights movement and unmatched knowledge in organizing meant she was called to give advice on political issues. Eleanor Roosevelt, Dwight D. Eisenhower, and Lyndon B. Johnson often sought her counsel. In 1963, Height and other civil rights activists organized the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom. Although she played a role in the march, she was not invited to speak. Originally, no women were included in the program at all. Height and Anna Arnold Hedgeman persuaded the organizers to allow a woman to speak. Despite the apparent gender discrimination in the civil rights movement, Height continued working on the front lines. In addition to her work in the United States, Height traveled extensively. She served as a visiting professor at the university in India and with the Black Women's Federation of South Africa. For all her efforts during the civil rights movement, many organizations awarded Height and recognized her. In 1989, she received the Citizens Medal Award from President Ronald Reagan. And in 2004, Height was honored with the Congressional Gold Medal. In the same year, Height was inducted into the Democracy Hall of Fame International. She also received an estimated 24 honorary degrees. Today and every day, the Passionate Stewardship Podcast honors Dr. Dorothy I. Height for paving the way for women all across the world. Thank you so much, Erica, for showing up today for all women and paving your own way for social workers all across the world. Remember, self-care is healthcare and kindness is free. So do me a favor and be kind to someone today. I love you for listening. And until next time, be good to yourself and others. Thank you, best friend. You're welcome, best friend. Bye. (laughs) Bye.